Welcome to Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. One of the sponsors has been with us from the beginning is our friends out in North Carolina, Highland Canine at Tactical Police Canine, letter K number nine, training.com. They are full service from top to bottom, left to right, north, south, east to west. They have everything, pointy ears, floppy ears, whatever you want, and they are a full service kennel doing seminars as well as handler schools for complete, completed dogs and as well as green dogs. So be sure to hit them up, Highland Canine at tacticalpolicecaninetraining.com. The Pergasons are fantastic people. Uh, Jason's been on the podcast as well, so go hook, look up his episode. Our uh, One of my favorite sponsors is Dogtra. Uh, the folks over at dogtra.com, they've been doing this for a long time, guys. Um, their e-collars, bark collars, everything they do, we love it. We have a great relationship with them. Uh, they give a discount code WDR10 for 10% off any single item over $200. I tell everybody I have a kennel full of Dogtra e-collars. Most importantly, I have a kennel full of Dogtra bark collars. The YS600, to me, is the best piece of equipment in all of dogs. Check them out, dogtra.com. Check them out on Instagram at dogtraofficial. We really like the guys at Ray Allen Manufacturing. They've been around for freaking ever. They were making working dog equipment before they were working dogs for uh, working bison, apparently. So, uh, and our, their product designer is one of our favorite people, Matt Matt Wilson. We love Matt. So, uh, rayallen.com. And everyone thinks, you know, it's only for police and military dogs, and that's not the case. If you have a working dog, whether it's police and military or search and rescue or even hunting. And even if you got pets, they have literally everything minus the dog and the patrol car that you would need to outfit a working team or a pet team for anything, whether it be scent work, whether it be our AKC or UKC scent work, all the way up to explosive and narcotics detection for military and police teams and everything in between. So be sure to hit them up at rayallen.com. Use the discount code working dog radio spelled out for 10% off your order. Probably, absolutely, not even probably, our first sponsor and longest sponsor is Arno over at ALM. Probably, to me anyways, one of the best guys in all of canine. Um, His website, almcanineequipment.com. You can get on there, give him a call, email him. He's the only guy you're going to talk to, uh, almcanineequipment.com. He has easily the best tugs in the business. His bite suits are amazing. They last for a long time. Ted will tell you he's got the same jacket since uh, Noah threw the ark out there. And uh, his hidden sleeve, I still say, is the best in the business. Check him out. Use a discount code WDRADIO, all spelled out, 10% off your first order. Check him out on Instagram, ALM Canine Equipment. All right, we are back. Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. I am Ted Summers from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, it's finally spring. Thank God. Eric from Eric Stambro from Canton, Ohio. Eric, what are you doing? Um, handler school today was Wednesday. So we had the, um, the Pete Police Canine Association guys. Out. We had a lot of guys, man. We had like 15, 17 dudes there today. We were at the fun house because yesterday it was 70. Today it was like, 50 and raining tomorrow it's gonna snow fucking snow Fuck that. No. yeah no. but uh so we're at the no. final we did kind of a bite fest today we did um first thing was a bite through a tunnel and uh a bite in a dark room and then they had to transition right to a 
to a detection high. There was some single purpose detection dog. We had a good day, man. Uh, we did a bunch of stuff, vehicle extractions up on the roof of the car. So um, it was a good time, man. Uh, drive conversions, uh, huh? How'd they handle How did the handlers handle that? <laughs> actually, they did pretty good. Um, I Excellent. ran that part, the, the conversion right. part. And um, I just taught them capping the ones who, who weren't familiar with it. And uh, it worked, it worked pretty well. One of, one of the guys in the handler school um, got tagged through the hand by his his dog today it was pretty sweet like go put some uh rub some dirt on it walk it off pretty boy. Let's my, go. In, my intern paul got fucking smoked last week by a dog and it's like one of those things can't teach dogs to bite people like shock when they do so he uh yeah he's here now um his ankle looks good though dog tagged him he's not he didn't die uh which is good we didn't need any stitches so they didn't stitch it up which is good uh probably might have used some but i don't know it looks fine i just he's here right now he's sitting in my living room so that's what super glue is for exactly um so real quick you said that they didn't die get this so one of the dudes um went to a call the other day uh he's a canine guy went to the call i don't even know what got him to this house but he went to the call and there was a woman in there and she has a pit bull and they got there the dog had scalped her from her eyebrows back no, no skin, no hair, scalped her, crushed her throat, bit her like 40 times, severed all the major arteries in her legs. She was still alive when he got there. She said it was the dog. They're like, you think? Um, yeah, well, it wasn't a fucking she ghost. didn't make it. She didn't make it much longer. But dude, God, damn. I saw a lot of stuff, man, in my 27 years in police work. And I never saw anything like that. And he said it was pretty. It was wow. So that yes, is... somebody did did die. Occasionally, it does happen, but wow, not usually not from police dogs though. So no, no, there's only been a couple of cases of that, uh, thankfully. So, uh, so yeah, big news on my side. Uh, Torchlight is moving, um, moving locations. We got a new facility, indoor, uh, indoor outdoor. I've got a big six dollar eighty five hundred square foot fenced in yard, and it's gonna be freaking nice. So. Um, really close to where we had been. Uh, got an awesome landlord who is all about it. And um, yeah, so uh, we've got about 5,000 square feet of indoor space, um, building a bunkhouse for our VA program, indoor things. So I can do, uh, we can do seminars and stuff in there. Plus I've got indoor kennels and black training stuff. So uh, yeah, we've been moving over there, which is a fucking pain in the ass and moving dogs and still training. And I've got a, a, a wire haired griffin or wire short or griff what is it a, what the fuck is that dog her name's fancy a short or a wire haired pointing griffin pointing griffin yeah yeah, yeah. whiting hair pointing griffin they brought me this dog i'm like dude this dog has a rad beard and it's this little <laughs> like gun dog looking thing right and she is badass and great great super soft but and of course i mean she's a puppy but um super nice environmentally and they're just like oh you know we want her to be uh they want to teach her to do blood tracking and stuff i'm like yeah we can do that but i mean she's four months old so we're gonna work on other shit first and she's great i took her to home depot today and she's running around and you know off leash and you know i i have already have her on an e-collar we're doing new popo and back and forth and back and forth and going to place and jumping on shit and coming to me and getting petted by people and so she's cool little dog but um I bring that up because she's a gun dog and our guest today, I, for those that don't know me, I don't hunt. Uh, for those that do know me, no, I don't hunt. Um, <laughs> the only interaction I have with gun dogs um, is finding drugs and bombs. Uh, so labs, pointers, 
Um, now this wire haired griffin thing that we've got here, which is super cool. She chases tennis balls like a fucking Malinois. Uh, so, and I've got a couple of handlers that I sent a picture and they're like, oh yeah, I have one to kill skunks all the time. I'm like, oh great. So it'll chase stuff and kill it. Perfect. Um, our, our handler, or I'm sorry, our, our guest tonight, um, is really well known in the hunting dog world. Um, not in the summary, so much in the police dog world. And I actually came across him when I was trying to figure out if it was a wise idea to use a force fetch on a herder. Um, so, you know, uh, Eric and I aren't hunters, um, but I think there's a lot of skills that are cross applicable with um, our guests tonight with a lot of the police dog trainers and the working dog trainers uh, and the sport dog trainers on the non hunting side. So with that, uh, I'm super stoked to have Freddie King on. Freddie, how are you, man? Oh, I'm doing great, guys. Man, I, I sat back and really enjoyed listening to y'all two talk. And, you know, I mean, it's a completely different realm of training that I do, but I mean, it's, it's just as thrilling you know, to hear about. And plus, I've seen tons of videos of the type of work that y'all put out. And I mean, that's top-notch dogs. Ain't no doubt about it. But no, I'm, I'm super stoked to be here and talk about what I do and how it might be applicable to a lot of what y'all do. Excellent. Yeah, that was kind of the um, the impetus to have you guys on. And, you know, I'm sure you know Pat Nolan. Um, if I can, everybody, oh, yeah. knows everybody knows Pat. And we've had Pat on before. And, you know, some of the best <laughs> episodes that we've done and a lot of it is because gun dog guys are ninjas with e-collars now like eric and i are really good and our buddies like justin rigney and a lot of the other guys in the police world are really good with e-collars um a lot of what we do though was pioneered by and either discovered or pioneered by the hunting dog guys um so this whole using the collar as a communication tool for dogs um, and the police dog side, a lot of the way that it's used even now, I mean, it's 2021, you know, we're still in the middle of COVID and there are still dudes in the police dog world that are using an e-collar straight up just for just straight up escape training, aversion training with um, only using it as a break or as like, as Eric says, as a break, they're not using the gas pedal or anything else. So, you know, it, it's interesting when, we talk about police dog trainers and for some reason there's some myth that we're the pinnacle of dog training and we're not. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I kind of want to start out a little bit, like let's talk about your background and stuff. And then we're going to go into some of the um, e-collar conditioning stuff that you guys do. Well, listen, you know, I'm, I'm from Surf Sea, Arkansas, or that's where I live Caitlin, right now, but uh, been here for almost 45 years. Uh, that tells you how old I am. I'm, 53 years old but I've been I've been in labs ever since I can remember since I was seven eight years old you know we always had retrievers that sort of thing but uh and we use them for hunting they retrieve our duck, ducks so just kind of one thing grad as you get older and stuff and and I started seeing these other dogs that man they were really great dogs you know back then we had dogs that you shot they broke, they took off, they ran whatever hit and come back and that was it. They spit the bird out there in front of you. And you know, back then that was a great dog, but now the the dogs that we were seeing, or I was seeing when I was 20, 21 years old or so, I man, them dogs, they could, guy's blowing his whistle and he's casting them all over the place. So, you know, that kind of really, really piqued my interest to learn as much as I could about how they were getting that done. Cause I mean, to me, that was the coolest thing ever. You know what I mean? And, uh, and, and, uh, it just kind of graduated, uh, from there. Uh, I'm, a, I'm, I was fortunate enough to have a job that 
that gave me the opportunity to travel around. So I really started off uh, as an editor and producer of uh, several outdoor television shows. And I got to travel around and, and I'd meet all these different peoples. And I kind of pushed myself towards the genre of a lot of the working dogs. So, you know, retrievers, pointers, flushing dogs, those sorts of things. And uh, just through the years, starting way back in, you know, late 90, or, or excuse me, early 90, uh, pushing record on camera and following these guys around, I just started just soaking up all the material that they were given to me free you know I, I was learning I was getting a lot from them I was uh, a lot of stuff I'd shoot off site and mm -hmm. I would store it for my own use later and th those sorts of things and I just take those tips and and of course going to a bunch of seminars but that kind of graduated me to running hunt tests you know I saw uh talk ran into a fella at Max Prairie Wings which is the local big duck store in Arkansas and uh, he said, man, you ought to come out and check out some of these hunt retriever clubs and our tests and stuff. And I went to a couple of those and just fell in love with it. So, of course, that meant I had to have a better dog. And with that, hmm. you know how it is. Uh, it's like any sport or any activity. If you get with the right crowd, you always train to that level. You know, you train to the level. And it just so happened. Absolutely. It just so happened that I landed with probably two or three of the top-notch guys that were passing grand dogs consistently and were kind of the cream of the crop. And from them, I learned a ton. And, you know, we're talking 30 years ago. So that's that's pretty much what sunk my teeth in it. And then the past uh, 10 to 15 years, I was filming uh, the Super Retriever series. I was also filming and editing a lot of other pros' uh dvds and and webisodes and stuff like that so i'm soaking in everything they you know they're telling me using it adding it subtracting it making changes to what they do to fit my program and what i thought you know made dogs better quicker quicker understanding and get my 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 training schematic to flow a lot smoother the whole progression of, of going from a, a puppy all the way to a finished master derby qualified open all age dog. So, and I mean, it's just, it's been one heck of a road, one hell of a road. I, it, I, you're making me think of a lot of good time from way back, you know, I mean, uh, you mentioned Pat Nolan. I've, I've sat in a circle filmed with those guys and, uh, some of the greatest pros out there from Mike Lardy to Danny Farmer to Chris Aiken to you name it. That's crazy. Uh, let me ask you this real quick before this is kind of not a really a dog training question is more about the, uh, the recording stuff where you started doing films and filming things and everything like that. What's the, um, like, a, I don't know, a secret or whatever, or, or film recording dogs and dog working, what is something that's different than any other type of genre that you know of? Well, the Super Retriever Series, all right? This is the top dogs in the nation. Shannon Nardi, and I'm not bragging on myself, Shannon Nardi, the owner of Dancing Dog Productions, one of the, the best producers that I know, best field producer that I know. She'd run four cameras. We'd all have our links going back into a main channel. Boom, she's popping us back and forth, ready to get ready for take two, blah, 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 whatever, this and that. But what she did 
I was the number one camera owner. They put me on the podiums and stuff because I could read that dog. When the dog was cast from the line, I could see what the dog would, you know, and it's nothing against the other camera guys there. But, you know, most of them were either filming fishing shows or deer hunting shows or, you know, uh, National Hot Rod Association junk, that sort of stuff. And they're out there watching these dogs. I was like, okay, film that black or yellow dog, whatever it is, just stay on the screen again. <laughs> all right. So all right. I need to do is frame this shot. Is that right, Shannon? That's all I got. I got you. I can do that. Well, I was the guy that had to zoom in tight and follow that dog from nose to tail. And I had to be able to read that dog. So if you were asking, you know, what was the main thing was being able to read that dog from a camera perspective and know the second that either a whistle was going to come from the handler or that dog was going to follow a contour of the ditch just because of the way he may be fading with the wind or something and be able to pull that shot off without zooming back. I could stay in there and, 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 and fly with that dog in other words so that kind of got me a good spot with the super retrievers and i learned a lot being in the backfield like that watching those dogs and the way terrain and water and wind and and just you know the way marking concepts affected different dogs and how you could start the same test in the morning have the same level dog in the afternoon run that test and it'd be much harder just because of shade or wind direction change and I mean, hmm. and, and just start crushing them all of a sudden when everybody earlier was doing great, you know? Hmm. So I mean, and, and stuff like that, I learned, which helped me to fine tune my actual training here years later. So you've been around long enough that e-collars, like when you were starting, I mean, e-collars weren't like real prevalent. They're probably gas powered back then. <laughs> oh no, my, my first e-collar, I'm telling you right now, I could weld with that son of a gun. I'm telling you, I could weld with that son of a gun. I mean, I was like, holy smoke, you know, and you get a new toy like that, and you know, and here's this dumb shit of a kid that, you know, 22, three, 23 years old, and he's got one of these first models, it's Tritonic, I can't remember what it was, that you pull the plugs out of to put yeah. in to change the settings, <laughs> right? Yep. And, you know, of course, we're like, man, I got tested out, you know. Put the hot so one you in. You take that thing and you put it on the back <laughs> of your leg. And next thing you know, you got a muscle cramp going up the back of your neck. And I'm telling you, and, and it's a spasm that'll stick with you for, you know, five or eight minutes. And believe me, you will be sore for three to four days after you do that. Because their muscles contract so tight, it, like you're not used to using them. And you'll pull places in your body you never thought existed. But back then, that's what you had. That's what you had to work those dogs with. And and we learned real quick, you had to be very careful with them on soft dogs, dogs that needed a ton of repetition because they they would kill a drive. They, they, you know, if you didn't know exactly what you were doing and when to do it, you could run a dog forever. And I mean, so it, luckily the collar folks they recognized this and made quick change you know and yeah. and we learned real quick that that always keep that lowest setting in or at least i did keep that lowest i think mine was a green you put in there keep it in there and and most of the time i didn't even pull it out i was still scared to use it because uh I, I, I seen some dogs doing some pretty funny things and you know not to get peta on our asses or anything but never put one of them son of a guns on a cat 
shit. <laughs> That's great. Love it. Uh, Did I just say that? No. <laughs> no. We'll leave that in. Uh, so, you know, thankfully technology has changed. I mean, you know, we're way far into this now, you know, dog, drug, Garmin, Tritonics, um, or they have some fantastic technology and stuff. Now, how did that change? Cause I know I'm Eric can answer this, but how did it change the gun dog side? Um, when those changes came so that you had the radio stat dials and you're able to then dial the intensity for ducks. We'll talk about the conditioning side of it here in a second, because part of that conditioning is finding that working level. But if you've only got two fucking plugs, you've got green and black or I, the one that we had in the office, I think I have green, red, and black and black, when I use black on myself, I could taste pennies. So <laughs> like, it, it was rough. Um, thankfully, and I've nuked myself on high with the dog Tarana Garmin and everything else. And it was still not near that. I thought somebody plugged me in. But so like, how did it change? <laughs> well, I mean, well, being from seeing how collars can really, really affect dogs from the very beginning, it, it made it possible for me to step in there. I, I want to phrase this right. It, I've seen things that the caller did at those levels that you, that you, you, you kind of needed for some training for, with some dogs, your high drive dogs, those sorts of things. But man, being able to go down there to where you could just barely tickle a dog gave you the ability to work some super soft dogs and get them to levels that these high drive monster dogs were getting to. So what it done in my opinion was it saved a lot of dogs careers and or made them gave them the capability of making great hunting buddies. Excellent. So you know it's kind of an open secret or maybe it's not. I mean it is to me that um gun dog trainers in the United States especially are probably the best guys with um e-collars um hands down um without a doubt you know and a lot of it is because of the training you're doing and how you're doing it and everything else but um on our side uh the police dog stuff when we go through certifications the dogs are allowed to wear the collar but you can't have the remote in your hand and then if you're on the sport side you're definitely not allowed to wear anything no equipment so um you know let's talk a little bit about how you guys do the conditioning phase of the collar stuff. Um, and then we can have a little bit of discussion about that. Well, I mean, do you want to know how I started as far as yeah. getting ready to condition yep. the dog? Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, 100%. It, 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 it's pretty simple. You know, um, I mean, the first thing I do is when I, uh, uh, I won't ever condition a pup till I see a couple of things. I want the retrieving desire to be, better than sufficient so we're looking at a, a dog with with a real strong self uh, uh strong retrieving desire and i want him to have a ton of self-confidence self-confidence that i can see that when i praise this dog that his attitude changes immediately he's heightened he's he's paying attention to me once i see these in a in a at least a six months old dog then i'll progress if some dogs may i might need to work with till they're nine or 10 months or a year old before I see that retrieving desire and that self-confidence to those levels. Now, what I will do is I just basically go through my obedience. We're, we're on lead. We're using a healing stick, that sort of thing. And once I've teached, taught, teached, once I've taught a dog the, the simple obedience, then we'll graduate to a choke collar. 
and I can just get a little bit more assertive with that. And then we graduate quickly to a prong collar. Now with a prong collar, the, that's when I start letting the dog make his own corrections. That we're on lead, he's walking, he pulls against it. He's, oh man, that kind of felt weird around my neck. I don't like that. He lags behind a little bit and I'm still walking. You know, it tugs him the other way, pinches him forward. So the dog is making its own corrections with that pinch, the prong collar. And I'll do the same thing with the heel. Just kind of guide them in the, to where they need to be. And I'll do the sit by lifting up and uh, straight up. And 90% of times when you do that, a dog will drop its rear end. And then you step away from them here, just a light little snap to you. So right there, what we've done is we've acclimated that dog to some kind of, of annoyance going around its neck, happening around its neck, that tension. So that makes the 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 switch over to the e-collar, the introduction of it, so much simpler and so much easier. Now, what I do different than most people, most trainers do this walk and sit and then take a step, sit, and they give light pressure each time, that sort of thing, as far as when they're actually conditioning. I do mine different. I teach a dog place, and I teach a dog here. Now, they know other, other commands, sit and, and heal and place and all that. They, I've taught them all those others, but I only do it from place to here. So I'm forcing the dog to get away from me, and, and, but I've already taught them this. They're, they're doing it on their own. I've, I've used the pinch collar. When I said place, I just give them a light snap forward. They go there. When they jump up on the place stand, I give them just a light pop toward me here. And that's all done with the, the prong collar. So the introduction with the e-collar is the same thing. And I'm doing the prong and the e-collar at the same identical time. Then I lessen the prong collar. Then eventually we can come off the lead. But most time, I'll, I'll still keep a pup on lead unless I see a pup that's really getting it and coming back and forth. So I'm, I'm teaching that dog to get away from me and to come back, recall, went on those two commands. So here, place, here, place, are those I'm forcing away and I'm forcing back to me. Once a dog understands that, I, it, because those are the, my two main tools that I'm going to use as a retriever trainer throughout the life of the dog, more so than actual the using pressure to sit, which will come eventually. But that's quite simply how I, I car condition the dog. And I use light pressure and I slowly graduate that as the dog understands. And I see that he clearly understands. I'll use just a little bit more pressure till I see that I'm getting to the level that dog start maybe get a little bit buggy. Then I stop and drop it back down and just start working from that moment on to on that level. That's that dog's level. Does so, that make sense? Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. Oh, yeah. Eric and I are talking back and forth in text right now, and, like, we, that's exactly how we Yeah, work. it's the same so, thing. I mean, um, so you, <clears throat> I'm going to go back a little bit. You said something that of all the people that we've had on here, nobody has ever said, and that sure. you mentioned the healing stick. Um, I don't use a healing stick. I've seen it done a lot, and it looks um, like it – is amazing. You want to describe that and how that works in your program exactly? Because I guarantee you there's a lot of people listening right now are like, what the hell is he talking about a healing stick? Well, well a healing stick is quite simply a, 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 a 
stick, let's say in the form, looks like a golf club, got the end like a golf club, except for on the other end. Mine is uh, made out of flex pipe. It's a half inch flex pipe. It's pretty rigid, but it, it's, it's, it wallows like a feather when you wave it. You know what I mean? So it's nothing that you can hit hard with. It's not stiff. And all I do is I use it 99% of the time it's used to get a dog in healing position. And when I'm lifting the dog's head up, I will reach underneath his neck and around the front and right at the dog's ankle, I'll just tap it. I'll tap, and you know what that feels like to yourself. I mean, it, you'll get your attention real quick anytime something hits you on the ankle that's somewhat hard. And, and I'll work a dog into position. And it doesn't take them long to figure out when you say heel to really swing that rear end around. And then, and then I'll take a step to the uh, right and I'll do a here real quick. And I'll give a light tug with the fence collar to me to make sure that head hits me on the side of the knee. Then I'll immediately heel, come back around. And I'll work that until I can make circles in heels and then circles in heres. Did I make sense? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Hundred percent. So there's definitely a difference. And, uh, but and I'm I'm telling you that healing sticks. You got a lot of people reach over the top of their dog, and they try to do it, and that's the wrong thing you can do. You got to you you want to lift their heads up and come up underneath the dog. You're not going to bend all the way over, but you're gonna you're gonna keep the dog from cowering down by getting the healing stick underneath the chin. Is that making sense? Mm-hmm, and then, yeah. and then when you start tapping that rear end or that that uh, that uh, ankle bone on them, they're gonna they're gonna start hopping around. And <laughs> trust me, about about three sessions of that, you got a dog that will come to heal quick. Yeah. Especially when they when, especially when they see that healing stick drop. And then I'll use it for if I'm walking and a dog is real bad to want to get in front of me. I'll just, I'll just kind of just wave it in front of my knee, just kind of just wave it back and forth in front of my knee and then let them correct it by walking into it, hitting it on their end of their nose or snout, you know, and, and it's nothing, nothing hard whatsoever. Right. Yeah, of course not. And I've yeah. seen videos of it and the results are, are extraordinary. Um, so let me ask you one, one more thing about something you said. <clears throat> so when I'm training uh, police dogs and pet dogs, I usually start, excuse me, with the collar conditioning, everything's the same. I always start with the here first and then do the, the go away to place after they, they're kind of understanding it. Most dog, gun dogs I've ever talked to or listened to say the opposite. Is there an advantage to teaching the to go to place before the here? Well, the, the, to kind of get real deep in advanced training, we're going to use... Uh, us pro trainers, we're going to use that e-collar more to to push your dog back, to keep pushing them. We're running 300, 400, 500 yards marks and blinds, and we want them we, we want them to understand why that nick came from getting out of the water a little bit too early, and then we put them back in the water. But we also want them to mainly understand that 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 means that nick still means you got to keep driving you got to keep going so i always start with and it's kind of dual i'm doing them almost at the exact same time but i will start that force to place first and then and then uh, with my e-collar and then about two sessions in it then i start with the hero coming back to me but the pinch collar is always 
coming into play those first few sessions, no matter what, probably about the first five to seven sessions. But to get back to your original question, it's because we're wanting to force that dog later on, on, on longer marks to keep digging across that water. I know you just swam 300, but you're fixing to hit land and you got to go 200 more yards. And we, and when they come out of that water and we holler back and we gave them a light nick, they're going to dig gears and they're going to keep driving. Is it, do you find it, um, and it's probably not as much for you guys, the way you train versus the way we train. I find it a real, a real fine line of if, if you're trying to get them to go out and continue to do things, fine line on the stem level that makes them fuck it. I'm coming back. Is oh yeah. A problem. Yeah. yeah. Now that you're 100% right there. And, and what you've got to be careful with is using too much pressure out in the field. There's, there's a fine line when you're out there and you're using a little bit too much pressure when I'm just screw it here, 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 here. No matter what, when they get up there on top of you, you've got to let the pressure off. Well, they learned right then, boom. When the heat comes and down on me, if I get right here, it stops. So you've got to be careful about that when you, when you, that's why if a dog's, well, I call it breaking. If a dog, or, or, uh, 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 holy smokes, what's the terminology? I'm uh, bolting. And if a dog is either, a bolt, dog can bolt away from me, a dog can bolt towards you. And the main thing you want to do is just kind of let off that pressure right then, start moving back away from the dog and try to get that dog to stop and then give your cast back, put them back in the working area. And then once they, they start digging that, now they may avoid that area where things got hot and not want to go back to it. But what you need to do is either walk past and simplify by throwing a dummy, a bumper or whatever it is to get them back in that area, in that session as quick as possible and then carry it somewhere, start it in somewhere else and, and make that experience positive again for them. But uh, you're 100% right. If too much pressure on the outside will push a dog inside back to you. And if you're not careful, that's why, it, and I hate saying this, my big dogs that are going to be campaigned to grand levels or going to go to other trainers and run some big field trials they're gonna they're gonna have some what i call aggravated force to pile aggravated uh uh forced backs and we're gonna use a lot of pressure at my side so that they know to drive and drive and i'm holding them back while i'm giving them pressure and and then all of a sudden i'm letting them go so they're understanding you know i drive that home that it's gonna get hot 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 right here if you don't get going, I hate using that terminology, but in essence, that's what's going on. You know, that make sense at all? 100%. I was oh, about to say there, there's two behaviors in police dogs that I will absolutely, absolutely plug. I call it plugging them in like a Christmas tree. Like I will, I will add some fucking heat for down in motion. Like if they're way the fuck out away from me and I say down, you hit the fucking deck. I don't care where you're at and recall. When I call, when I call you back, I don't care if you have to come through fucking fire and broken glass, you get your ass back to me. And we do that for, you know, for hunting dogs, it's not necessarily a safety issue for us, for police dog handlers. Oh, it's most safety, definitely. Like if I, I don't want him chasing a crackhead in traffic. 
<laughs> and I don't want a crackhead dragging him into the water. So when, and then we kind of talk about outing, which is a separate deal altogether. But um, those are two where I will teach them ahead of time. Like I'll teach them how to do all that stuff first. I do all the motivation to go ahead. You know, I do the recalls, I do the downs, I do all stuff at distance. And then when we add drive to it, it gets funky and I will teach them how to use the collar first. And those are the behaviors that we teach kind of like after the fact with the e-collar, it's like, listen, dude, like, I understand I've asked you to do this a hundred times, but the hundred and first time you still have to fucking do it. And I will, and they know, like, if I say here or plots or down or laney or whatever the hell their command is, they fucking hit the deck. And I've had multiple handlers come through my schools and I'm like, when you tell him to down, like he's going to down like quick, like real quick. So we're going to, if you're going to reward the down, like you got to be on top of it because he's going to hit the deck. And they're like, why? I'm like, well, <laughs> we'll talk about that in another portion of the handler school. But right now, just when you say down, he's going to hit the fucking deck because if he doesn't, he thinks he's going to get hit by the hand of God. So no, I, I completely, I know I completely understand that without a doubt. So. All right. We're going to go ahead and take a break and we come back. We're going to talk about some marking behavior or marking behavior and the way that, that they do it uh, in that uh, gun dog uh, retriever world. So um, stick around. Don't fast forward through commercials. We'll be right back. So sorry to interrupt the great conversation we are having, but we have amazing sponsors that we need to bring to you. Um, one of our favorites, one of our oldest is Southern Coast Canine. The folks down there, the Heisers, they are great folks down there in Smyrna, New Smyrna, Florida, right? They got everything you need to do down there, guys. Um, full service kennel, southerncoastcanine.com. Give them a call, 877-903-DOGS. The uh, Southern Coast Canine folks have killer dogs guys everyone we've seen have been badass check them out on instagram at southern coast canine everybody knows that training is super important one of the best training conferences in the country is hits it's by canine handlers for canine handlers hits canine letter k number nine dot net the largest vendor show in the country the largest giveaway for handlers in the country and some of the most skilled instructors in the country plus eric and i we're going to be there july 6th through the 9th in scottsdale arizona bringing the hrd road show to everyone there doing the presentation about scenario-based training and then they've got everybody there from the industry to do fantastic presentations also uh, classifies and, and sort of uh, for your training hours when you come back to your department. So it's going to be in Scottsdale, Arizona, July 6th to the 9th. Be sure to hit up Jeff Barrett, 863-529-5113 uh, or hits K9, letter K number nine dot net. The other big thing that guys mess around with and don't get right is nutrition for their dogs. Our good friends down at Kinetic Dog Food, they got it right. Uh, especially if you own a kennel, uh, like there's all kinds of problems that go along with owning a kennel with a lot of dogs, kennel stress and things. These guys are great. They service some of the largest kennels in the country. KineticDogFood.com. Their stuff is so good. Give them a call. 513-615-6904. Kinetic Dog Food on Instagram. Wonderful people. Wonderful food. Check them out. KineticDogFood.com. Next up, we have a sponsor that's moved for quite a while, Quick Derm by Vet Care. This stuff is magic. For whatever reason, working dogs have this uncanny ability to hurt themselves in fantastic and magical ways. Don't let small problems be big ones. Happy tail, torn up paws, 
uh, one of our good buddies and also one of our interviews, uh, Jake Hutchinson, how did uh, his dog got kicked in the face by a horse? The stitches were healed up very quickly with vet care. I use it on my tattoos. Uh, Alicia just got a new one and she's using it as well. It stuff is magic. So hit him up at vetcare.us. Use the discount code 10WDR for 10% off your first order. Awesome stuff. Our brand new sponsor, guys, and he's a good dude, man. He really is a good dude, good trainer. He's been on the podcast, friend of ours. He's worked with us at HRD, great decoy. Jim O'Brien down at NCK9 in North Carolina, obviously. NC stands for North Carolina. NCK9, letter K number nine. Uh, great stuff, guys. Their police dogs are good. Floppy ear, pointy ear, dual purpose, single purpose. Handler schools, better weather than we have in Ohio. Give them a call, 919 438 0141 check out his website nck9.us uh hit him up on instagram at nck9 llc for them guys training is not a job it is their life all right everybody we are back working dog radio broadcasting the bite with freddie king from uh the retriever training right it's called the retriever training.com is the website the retriever trainer Dot trainer okay trainer not yeah. training the the, the trainer. Trainer. trt yeah. not testosterone replacement therapy <laughs> that's exactly right <laughs> right exactly um, although we are in our 50s <laughs> we are in our 50s we, we might you know so anyways I, I we're having probably a, benefit from a little bit <laughs> right we're having an amazing conversation with freddie um about uh the how the e-collars used in amazingly we found out a lot of the conditioning the collar uh and leash comes without any collar comes you know, through um, different various things into the prong and then layered into the e-collar. Um, so you mentioned Mark. Um, we we have a lot of trainers on that that talk about Mark and marking. Um, I, I do it. Ted does it. A lot of people. I want to get into that with you. If if it's the same that we're talking about with uh, the type of dogs you're training, this type of style, or if it means something completely different. Well, in in the world of retrievers, you have what is called a mark and what is called a blind. Okay. A mark is when a dog sees a bird is shot and it falls. A dog must mark that spot and run directly to that spot and then pick that, have a short hunt, as short as hunt as possible, pick that bird up and come back. Now, dogs, some dogs have a lot better marking ability right out the gate than others, but no matter a dog's marking ability, natural marking ability, a lot of them, most of them can be enhanced and taught to be better markers. So, and, and so let's, a mark is a bird that a dog sees fall and he runs to that spot, picks it up. He's marked that area. Okay. Then you have what is called a blind. A blind is, let's say, the dog's in the truck, you walk out two, three, four hundred yards, you place a bird somewhere and you use uh, and you become a team on a mark. It's 100 percent. The dog, the dog watches you, you release the dog or cast the dog by saying their name. You know, it would say Fido and it's all him. One hundred percent. The dog, they're judged on their marking ability, how they can mark, how they their memory on those marks and how they deal with the concepts. Now. A blind, your dog's in the truck. The judges have put a bird out there two, three, four, five hundred yards. You walk to the line, the dog has no idea where the bird is. And 
you have to line your, you and your dog become a team. You have to line your dog up, say dead bird. That's my cue. I use 99.9% of the uh, retriever handlers out there use the same dead bird. I then cue my dog with subtle taps to my knee, snaps to my fingers behind them to adjust their head, you know, two to three to four degrees, look at the exact spot. And then when I say good, they'll lock on. And then I say back and they'll, they pick the furthest spot that they can see. You train a dog over time. They learn no matter what I'm looking at that scaly oak tree out there at 500 yards. I'm going to run as hard as I can straight at that. And they'll take off and run just the perfect. And, you know, of course, this is a finished master level dog. And he's fighting all these contours to hold his line, fading the winds, hitting them from the side. They, a lot of dogs want to drift with the wind to catch scent and they're, and they've running through old falls and those sorts of things. So you're teaching the dog to fight all those factors, run straight, tweet, you hit your whistle, you give directional casts to put the animal, the dog on that bird with as few of a cast and dog must take those casts. And the further it gets out, you know, harder in the winds blowing and dogs a lot of times slip whistles. That's when they don't stop. They sit immediately when they hear that whistle. And then they, a lot of times they don't see the cast good. So you get a lot of variables that the judge interprets, you know, why it did this or that, or maybe grading you against another dog and then your dog fail or my dog fail. So, but marking concepts uh, and as they step up in abilities, you have started, season, senior, finished, master, grand, uh, all the way up to national opens. And these, these marks can range anywhere from 100 yards to 500 yards. And I'm telling you right now, a lot of people, they'll go up to a, a, a pretty solid grand test or a pretty solid master test, and these three marks will come out. You'll want to come out, pow, and dog will watch it. About a second and a half later, pow, another one. And you'll move your dog, you know, just with with those subtle little deals. Watch that. They'll mark it. And then about a second and a half later, pow, that one right there. Nine times out of ten, people watching in a gallery or the person running can't walk straight to those marks. Right, yeah. <laughs> but here are these dogs. That, I mean, here are these dogs. That, that they'll pick up that gold bird, they'll come back, they'll pick up this short one without driving over the top of it, and you'll line, they'll come back and wheel around and just deadlock in on that, that mark out there. But all of that's taught through repetitions. You, you only have a certain amount of concepts as far as mom and pop, flower pots, uh, hip pockets, uh, outward, inward uh, versions and marking. You know, there's only a certain amount of concepts, but you teach all of those in singles and then you graduate to multiples and it takes a, uh, you know, a dog that's competing at the national level level has to see all kinds of new water, new topography and see those different marking concepts because they might be wide. They might be tight and you've got to, they, as well as y'all know, dogs are like computers, the better processor they have and, and ability to store information. You just keep giving them all these different looks and teaching those lines and they just store it. And the, the ones with the best processors and the highest motors are usually ones taking on the blue ribbons. 
Well, yeah, that's definitely marking is different, <laughs> different than, yeah. than what we're talking that we do. So I have a question about, it, and then Ted's got a really good um, uh, question for you. But um, is there a is there a what do I, I don't know how to phrase it um, like a timeline with the mark where you're like this dog after 30 seconds is lost it or do you build up to it? Do you find that they, they have like a, a, a time frame that they, that they work best in well, once they I mark think- it the first time, are they, that they'll stay on the mark. This dog will stay on this mark for a whole two minutes. You could hold him before you send him and he's going to make it. But after two and a half minutes, it's a little bit harder. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, memory erodes with time. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Uh, now, if if a dog sees a mark, comes out, and he's looking at that mark, and he's looking at that mark, as long as I don't move, most of my master-level dogs are just going to sit there and stare at that spot and then generally cast and go straight to that spot. They've been trained to not vary from that line that they're looking at. As long as I say good and I say their name, they're going to drive as straight as they can. And they've, they've seen so many marks from hides and bird boys and wingers that they've also learned that once I get into this area so far off to this side of where that guy is right over there, I need to establish a hunt because they can't throw it any further. You know what I'm saying? So they kind of learn that the general area, that bird shit. So that helps them too. And uh, the ability to hold that perfect line, not fall behind the gunner and hunt the wrong side or see another gunner station and take off toward it. Uh, Those things, you know, we started around six, four to five months old teaching them. And we're just constantly teaching them until they're, you know, five, seven, eight year old master level dogs. And it's it's a process. And the, the top ones in the nation are something to watch i mean they, they, they some of the stuff that they can do just like y'all's dog i mean just exactly like y'all's dog it's uh it, there's a major difference between one that's had training for six seven years and its abilities versus a two-year-old oh, yeah. fanatic <laughs> oh yeah so one thing that's interesting during our and because it kind of feeds into this entire conversation too during tracking functions for us um area searches or building searches you know i i sell handlers um a lot we talk about it at hrds um a lot too eric and i talk about it um dogs are uh, the malinois german shepherds dutch shepherds mainly the patrol dogs um they're prey animals first and foremost because of that they hunt with their eyes their ears and their nose so you kind of you know you you made a, a comment about a catalog and i use a i say the library or the rolodex right like there's a reason every narcotics dog in the country checks every door handle on every search because they've been successful there all the fucking time that's why they search. I don't ever teach them door handles here because they, I don't need to, because they're going to get, it's going to happen. They're going to get 10 runs in the field. And they're going to be like, Oh shit. They're going to get nine out of 10 fines on door handles. Like I don't ever have to do it. Every experienced narcotics dog searches door handles and every narcotics handler listening to this is like, Oh yeah, my dog searches door handles all the time. That's why, because they find odor there all the time. The one thing that's interesting for the patrol dogs, which is where this is kind of comes in is during area searches that are off leash and during building searches that are off leash or even directed, I've always kind of figured that dogs don't have very good depth perception. Um, they can see something and like, while well, they're really good at seeing movement. Um, once they hit a lot of odor, they kind of pop their head up and look around and they'll do what we call a proximity alert or they'll give us some kind of indication that they're close to odor. Like I'm so close to this fool that I should be able to see him or I should be able to hear him. One of the two. 
Um, so when you're talking about sending a dog on a send at 500 yards and they're looking at a fucking tree from, I mean, it's gotta be like this big, like, do they not have, I mean, do what's the deal? We've tried to have somebody on the podcast that is a like canine sight expert that talks about this because when I expose dogs to height, whether it be 200 feet or 10 or two, the first time they experience stairs, they're like, holy shit, I'm going to step off the edge of the earth. You know, what's the deal with the depth perception? Do they learn that? Or have you had any experience with how dogs deal with the depth perception versus distance? Like if some of these marks you're talking about are at different distances, say one's at 250 yards and one's at 350 yards, and then one's at, I don't know, like past the curve of the earth, like how do they determine which one is closer? Well, they, they, they learn it. They learn by the looks of the bird, the, the sound of the shots, the, uh, uh, the lay of the land. They, they, they learn to look. I do a lot of training where dogs can't see the ground from, let's say, 10 feet in front of them for the first 200 yards. They can't see the ground. In other words, uh, the, the grass is tall. The, it may be a big valley. And there might be that angle up the hill throw. All right. When they take off, they know that, by gosh, you're fixing to have to dig quite a ways to get to that bird. And it's amazing to watch them running and they start checking down within 10 to 15 yards of that bird. They start slowing down, getting, you know, and their head starts looking back and forth and their nose is starting, they're starting to kind of tilt with the wind and try to catch wind and, and and they know so they're definitely that's why it's so crucial to us in the retrieval world we want our pups when we look at the breedings we want their eyes to be excellent their hips to be excellent all their joints to be excellent and for them to have 100 all across their 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 health certification so, and we're breeding our dogs only two though. So we're looking for them to have the best eyesight possible because they do have, in my opinion, an extremely acute ability to determine distance. Uh, we'll do a lot of inline throws. In other words, we'll throw one that's 350 yards, boom, out there. Then we'll have one that's thrown 100 yards right here. A dog will see both those marks. He'll pick up that short one, come back. Where's your bird? I'll, I'll ask for all my dogs. Where's your bird? Boom. They'll lock right back in on that spot. I'll cast them. They'll run right through that short area that where all that scent and stuff and 50 ducks have already been killed. Keep on driving. Go through all that scent. Go all the way up to the top of the hill and establish a hunt right on that spot. And they can't do that unless they have a pretty solid sense of depth and and ability to spot mark look at that spot from where they're at right here picture it out there and run to that spot that's what we call spot marking interesting we have a similar concept that we just say shitheads commit crimes together and we, we well they do and so we do a building search with an unknown number of people in it you bite one person and you're like okay buddy hey, that ought to be on a shirt <laughs> you're like okay you got to go back to work and they're like no i get on any time to bite this guy again no you can't do that you got to go back to work so and that's eric we talked about the getting episode drive conversion where you have a dog that's in a super high state of drive which you know they're selectively bred and raised for 150 years to bite people and that's the highest expression of their drive. And then they do, and they're like, okay, now you got to go back to a mid-level drive exercise, which is going to find another person to bite. It causes a lot 
of problems for a lot of patrol handlers because they're like what do you mean i gotta find somebody else and not bite backup guys don't do that either that's bad so yeah. <laughs> what were you gonna say you, you know it's, and it's i this is why i love the show is um so i've been telling people for years and, and ted kind of hinted to it that i i tell people listen to you know a dog's nose and their hearing is so good but i never i i don't see their eyesight is good because the um like in a lighted area into a dark area, they look like it's almost a wall. Or if you are outside, we'll send a decoy running down down the way and then have him dip in and the dogs never get it right. They always dip in too early and like their death perception. And I, I'm I'm really uh, I'm really enjoying hearing you say that uh, that you can kind of teach through that and overcome it. Um, did so real quick and then we got to take another uh, commercial break and move on to some other stuff you when we do tests for dogs as far as medical goes it's teeth hips and joints you know all kinds of joints i've never had an agency or any other vendor checked eyes ever what what are they looking for in that well they're they're checking to make sure that they're clear they're checking to make sure that they have no uh astigmatisms or anything like that and they can tell you know if the uh, dog's eyes how clear if if uh, dog's eyes are are tested every single year you're supposed to have and then if you know that uh, uh a dog at age six which is roughly what around a 40 42 year old guy he get, comes back with an excellent eye test then that gummit most of his prodigy is going to have decent eyes and uh and a dog that's breeding that's eight nine years old and comes back as excellent you're that's going to tell you that 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 line of dogs is going to have better chance of of having great eyesight and it's it's common trust me i mean it's it's a big deal that and having uh uh eic tests which is kind of a new thing and you know that's where these dogs that become under labor a lot of they they lose all control of their their nervous system really so they can't really use their rear legs and that sort of thing yeah um all right um we're gonna go ahead and take a commercial break uh when we come back we got a bunch of stuff some things we were talking about before we started recording um and uh back with freddie king here in a minute stand by Working Dog Radio, we love our sponsors. This episode is sponsored in part by Ray Allen at rayallen.com. Everything for dogs. Check out their uh, 10% discount code using Working Dog Radio, all caps. Rayallen.com for everything dogs. Be sure to check out Dogtra also. Eric and I love Dogtra. It's what we both use at the kennel each day. I like the 1900S. Be sure to check them out at dogtra.com. Use the discount code WDR10 for 10% off any single item over 200 bucks. Are you going to the hits canine this year, guys, the biggest and best conference in the United States, July 6th to the 9th, Scottsdale, Arizona hits canine.net. Give uh, Jeff Baird a call 863-529-5113. Making sure you have the right dog food is a super important part of running a working dog, whether it be police dogs, military dogs, or hunting dogs or search and rescue. We like kinetic dog food. The guys at kinetic, can be found at kineticdogfood.com, area code 513-615-6904. Hit them up. 
We got a brand new sponsor, our good buddy, Jim O'Brien down at NCK9 in North Carolina, full service kennel, police dogs, single purpose, dual purpose, handler schools, trainer schools, check them out, nck9.us. All right, we are back, Working Dog Radio. I hope you did not fast forward through those commercials. We have new sponsors in there. We have a lot of discount codes, a lot of things going on. Be sure to go back. If not, look at the bottom of the show notes. You'll see everything about the sponsors and everything about um, Freddie's uh, uh, business ventures. So um, real quick, I want to back up to e-collar stuff. And when we were talking about marking, when we're teaching things with uh, the typical way that we talk about marking is using a click or a word to mark um, a certain behavior as being correct so that we can teach them newer things as we're going. Do you guys, when you're, when you're instituting the e-collars is the removal of the pressure, the mark, so to speak, that you're teaching the dog that that was the right thing. No, uh, the, when we're teaching dogs mark, you know, as far as marking, building marking ability. No, just like, um, like on the, um, when you're going to teach them a recall back to you, right? We will apply pressure. And as the dog is turning to come towards us, we will release the pressure and then say yes, or maybe click a thing or okay, or whatever the word is. That word is what we use as the word mark. Um, Is there a similar thing that you do? Or is it just the removal of the pressure is what's telling them what they did was correct? Well, if I'm understanding you right, anytime I'm recalling a dog, I'm either, I'm either taking, hollering here mm-hmm. or i'm tweet 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 with my whistle and and when i'm doing that in conditioning i will give pressure uh instant pressure to that command and then i immediately let off as soon as the dog turns toward me the only time i use constant pressure is when i'm forcing to place right that's the only time i'm ever using constant pressure so when you when you remove the pressure when they start turning towards you, do you say anything at that point, or do you just that removal no. was letting no. them know that that was the right move? Right, and the yeah. next trick is if they turn toward me and they've come, they're they're coming running at me, and then all of a sudden veer to something else, the pressure will come, and I'll give them two seconds of continuous pressure then to make up their own mind what they're fixing to do. Are they going to? come straight to me and and if they don't within that second and a half two seconds then i give them a here tweet tweet you mm. know and and i let them i try to get them to figure out what that means <laughs> that way let's say and you got to be careful and me i've got to be careful as a pro trainer for the way i'm training dogs to when i'm because i'm using a collar for a lot of different things that if if in the future I'm running a blind, dead bird back, whom they don't know where they're going. And I, I give him a left back. And let's say he turns to the right and kind of scouts. Well, he, he refused to cast. Tweet, Nick. All right. And if, if I'm not careful, that pressure is going to make that dog, instead of dropping on his butt and looking at me, he's going to want to progress to me. So I have to be real careful about that, you know, and, and I only do that close quarters and not whenever I'm running blinds or when I'm running actual left back, but he angled hard. Tweet, I give the cast again, the opposite way, let's say, give the cast again, but he scouts, all right? I'm going to get that first one I gave him free. That second one, 
I'm going to tweet. I'm not going to do nothing. I'm going to tweet, tweet, tweet. He's going to come to me two steps. I'm going to hit the tweet. He's going to stop. And I'm going to give him a, about a second and a half nick of constant pressure. I'm going to let him sit there in what we call sweat. Let him think about it. And then I'm going to give him a cast. Nine times out of ten, the dog will give you a cast. But here's uh, as the dog gets smarter, they say, what? You know what? I got that freebie this first time. <laughs> and, they'll, and they'll take it the second time. They learn that. So then then those dogs there, you got to start burning them on the first time. And then they say, no matter. You know what I mean? So, and a lot of dogs are that smart. It's amazing. You know, 50% of them figure that out. That, hey, I get a freebie the first time. <laughs> yeah, and uh, in PSA – and the I'm a senior level decoy in the protection sports association. And, you know, you'd be, we get three chances to out a dog. And in those three chances, uh, the, the steward will say, Hey, you know, out your dog, dog name out. He doesn't out. They say it again, dog name out, doesn't out. And I'll be damned if on the third try at four and a half seconds in, they say dog name out and it's one, 1,000, two, 1,000, three, 1,000, four. And the dog comes off and you're like, mm. And it's only worth five points, but still, I mean, it's like a two point out or something. You're like, are you fucking serious? And people are like, oh, dogs can't count. I'm like, oh, you can't? Like, how many dogs in PSA don't out on the first try? I have a fucking shitload of them. Same thing with IPO and some other stuff, too. But I, yeah, 110%. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Fucking patrol yeah, dogs. They, go too. they learn that. They <laughs> learn that. They learn that. I mean, it's, they, they do. They're, they're, they're a lot smarter than you give them credit, card, they're, uh, credit for. And they're, they're, they're definitely problem solvers let's say <laughs> so in that thread or in that vein um talking about problem solving um you know one of the things that um i've seen you talk about before is some of the dogs that tend to get either collar wise to pinch and or e-collars and how you have kind of mitigated that in the past without adding extra heat so you just don't yell louder <laughs> well you know i try here's here's my thing I try to keep all my training. If I do live feeds literally every single day of these setups. I'm probably the only pro trainer in the United States that does a live feed with his dogs every single morning. Owners can watch their dogs, you know, at some point during the week doing setups, getting trained, that sort of thing. And I've learned through that, because I've been doing it the last four or five years, that I keep my voice very monotone. So these dogs have learned to listen to me better because I don't heighten my voice like a lot of people do. And, and that made me think of something three or four years ago, Bill Autry, one of the very best dog trainers that I know of, I got a lot of respect for him, uh, uh, has had throat surgery and, and has a, uh, uh, oh crap. What do you call it? Uh, still uh thing. yeah. Yeah, well, anyway, you know, he's he's got to talk with the voice box and all that kind of mess. Mm. But he always talks like this. Right. And his dogs listen. His dogs listen. <laughs> he can't ever – he can't ever – so, I, I mean, there's some truth to that. You know what I mean? So, right. uh, and and he told me one time, he said, your dogs will listen to you better if you talk quieter, do <laughs> yeah, it, that's different when you don't have an option. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, like that I is talk true. Louder. You know, but right. I have I've, I've learned to kind of monotone myself, and then it's through uh, some. Sometimes I'll raise my voice, but I do it on purpose, and then I watch them, 
and especially your body language to a dog. You you want to, uh, especially softer dogs, your your hard driving monster dogs. A lot of times, body language don't mean nothing to them. But your 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 mid to softer level, you can change your body language, your stature, your look, your stance, and you can change that dog's attitude even in the ring. So I had a question. Um, this is uh, about the competition. Um, in, in the business that you're in, in the world that you're in, how many guys in there at the pro trainer level, when they come to the competition, you're there, you're like, ah, shit, I got my work cut out for me today. Like this guy is how many, and how many guys say that about you? You think? Well, I mean, everybody, here's the thing. What everybody's on such the same level. And, but don't get me wrong. There's all the pros. There's some pros like Chris Aiken that has passed, golly, 50 something grand dogs. And Pat, that's the ones that's got grand tops. He's wow. probably passed well over 100 grams. And, and he's still number two. But do you have guys like Chris that, run one type of genre of hunt tests and stuff. And then you have another like uh, Mike Lardy, who is pr the premier top in the nation, whatever. But you put, you put, uh, I thought I might have lost, but you put Lardy and Aiken and Farmer and Dobbs and all these, and, and I'm saying everybody, you know, the, the big names out there it's any dog's day out there that's just it what separates them is how many bullets you have on the truck mm. so, you know what i mean so if you're a pro that's got 17 dogs that are badass dogs for clients and you got two you're a trainer with two mean mother badass dogs and you go out there they're they're already limited you know mm -hmm. i mean these two dogs and i've seen it a hundred times behind the line watching and and a dog's got it one and i mean just done superb work and this other dog is coming in number two had some stumbles here and there and then i mean all the dog was had to do was finish the blind or finish the mark and just end up in right field and the dog handler had to call him in you know and stuff like that it, it's it's heartbreaking but yeah. that's it's the dog that finally separates everybody instead of the actual hunters and the more more bullets you got on your truck the better off your chances are to win that's not good <laughs> guarantee you. i've said this i don't know how many times and i say it all the time and because people are always like why do you use an e-caller for mandatory downs and mandatory recalls and I, and I say it and people laugh, but no matter how well-trained they are, they're still a dog. They still eat cat shit and lick their own ass. No matter how, I don't care how trained they are. And they inevitably will do the most stupid shit at the. Yeah. <laughs> the I'm going to tell you this right now. Don't ever brag on a dog. Mm -hmm. <laughs> make a liar out of you in a heartbeat yeah we one of our seminars that we do we there's a thing that we set that we do a, a very innocuous um on dogs, but I'm telling you, don't bet on yeah, your dog. Bet against everybody else, but don't don't, <laughs> don't, don't do not don't. bet on your dog. I so, guarantee you. Yeah. I guarantee you. <laughs> um, 
I just have a couple more things and then uh, we'll get into the website here real quick. A, is there any shit talking in, uh, in the retriever game? And B, um, if how many of those guys or probably maybe all of them, if, if someone showed up, uh, a, an owner of a dog handler that was trained by some of those top guys, could you tell if you didn't know where the guy, where the dog came from, who trained that dog based on how the dog worked? There's, there's several dogs that I could tell who the trainers were. If I watched them run, there definitely are. And yeah, there's some, there's some people that talk smack. There ain't no doubt about it. They come, they come there. I mean, especially in the field trial world, it's a, it's those guys are brutal. You know what I mean? They're, they're, they're out there to win it. It's a big deal. You only got so many of them every year and they're all trying to get FCA, FC, NFC or NFC and qualified and derbies and all that kind of mess. They're trying to get them blue ribbons, but I mean, 99% of them, like every genre of sports, they're extremely competitive. There's a lot of love and there's a lot of hate, but <laughs> you know, I mean, but it's still, it's still, it's all good. Cause trust me, no matter what, if you get your dog gets its ass kicked, it's awesome to watch somebody else's dog do something that, by God, that was just, you know, just freaking awesome. I mean, just, yeah. you know, it's, it's, these dogs are trained to levels that most people can't even comprehend until they go and actually watch one, uh, one happen, especially uh, the Master Nationals, the Grand. The Grand is coming up in April 22nd, whatever. And uh, there's 800 and something dogs going this thing. 800 and Holy something shit. dogs. This wow. is five, five tests, five days of grueling tests that these dogs have got to, got to pass. Your dog can fail if you come out of a holding ball and you got to walk 20 feet up there and to the line and sit down. If your dog beats you to the bucket, the judges will ask you to pick your dog up. Wow. I mean, these dogs are graded on a system that, that is as tough as it get, And it's the cream of the crop. I mean, it's the best dogs in the nation. And if you get a grand pass dog, then by golly, you've got a dog. And not to toot my own horn or anything like that, but Thief is going for his uh, fifth grand pass. Yep, going for his fifth grand pass. Did, and, did you just ask the dog that? Did you just turn around and ask Thief? Is this no, your fifth grand pass? Why? My, why? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow, we spent a lot of time together. It means <laughs> yeah. uh, Thief, yeah. Thief is going for his fifth grand pass and uh, become uh, getting in the, the the Hall of Fame. So that'd be nice. pretty, that'd be pretty kick butt if he wants to get that done. If he doesn't, I still love him just as much. But it'd be mm. awesome. <laughs> so um so one last thing before we get into some of the like some of the housekeeping side of this stuff so are the canadians any good at the gundog stuff or is it still exclusively an american thing oh there's no. some there's some really really top-notch canadian trainers that the, no, I, that's doubtful i find that <laughs> no, that, no but but no let me let me tell <laughs> you on. let me let me tell you what what the problem is with canada trainers Here's what the problem is. The metric system. <laughs> Not, yeah, the metric system. <laughs> they oh. don't get near the time we we can train. I've been training. Well, yeah. 
January. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, it's fucking Canada. There's snow on the ground. Yeah, like, it's an iceberg. They ain't been able to put their damn dogs in the water. Right. <laughs> Good fucking point. Ask him, I get to come in a fucking kayak in the river. <laughs> <laughs> but no, there's, there's a, there's, I've trained a lot of dogs that come from Canada and talked to a lot of people up there. There's some solid, solid folks up there that can train some, some mean oh, yeah. dogs. Same thing with police dogs. There's some badass police dog trainers up there that have some some monsters that are that are definitely serving mm. their communities well. I'll put it that way. So oh, yeah, uh, we they just they speak in metric, and that's the same thing with the Australians. Boy, I tell you what, don't ever kilograms, milligrams, and all those kinds of things. The only thing I can remember is uh, in school they taught me centimeter as wide as my thumb, but my, I got a fat thumb now. <laughs> a little bit, little bit bigger. We and we dudes know inches. We know what a real. Well, we know what inches. Are, the, so. the fucking ruler's broken though. So right, yeah, that's true. <laughs> it changes in the weather. So um, your website, uh, Ted sent me to it earlier today. Uh, the RetrieverTrainer.com. Dude, your stuff is amazing. Like, um, it's very well done. Um, it's the kind of thing some folks should be kind of striving for. You want to talk about that? How where, where that came from, and 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 what everybody can get to. I know they um, there's all kinds of different things, levels and stuff they can get into. And I'm probably signing up for that bitch tonight because I got a lot more to learn. I hear you. Well, listen, the retriever trainer. I started retriever training because, like I said, I did a lot of. Uh, videography and uh, did a lot of filming for a ton of other pro trainers and stuff. The one thing I always saw was they never showed, they showed a finished dog doing remedial work. Mm -hmm. In other words, they, they didn't show you all the, every live feed of mine, every single morning, I say the good, the bad, the ugly, because I show it all. And that's what the retriever trainer does. It shows every, it shows a dog at that level doing that level work, and it shows everything that goes wrong. So you, uh, I can remember my first DVD set that I bought, and I'm sitting there watching this thing, and I thought to myself, I got the dumbest dog in the world. <laughs> <laughs> you know I what I mean? But I mean, seriously, I watch, I'm watching these dogs, and they do this, do this, do this. And I'm like, I want to beat my dog because it's dumb. And I'm like, but it, what it was, was they weren't showing everything. And, and I got onto the guys that I was filming stuff. Man, y'all show that. I ain't going to show that. Well, that proud thing got in there. You know what I mean? They didn't want to show all this stuff. So I, that's what I did. So I started with a seven-week-old puppy named Teat. Seven weeks. And then I started and I filmed every single session, every single week of her life's advancement all the way up until she just passed this last fall, passed her first grand at a little over three years old. Shit. Nice. Yeah. So three so, year long video. That's probably. a lot of content. And there's over a thousand videos on this website. And it's just not teeth. There's teeth life. There's Dingy's life. There's Ash's um, life. There's also uh, you can go in there. You can find a section that if you need to work on mom and pop uh, uh, concept marks, or if you want to do some flower pots, or you want to just teach concept marking, stick man, white coat, hunt uh, holding blinds, do holding bar work. I mean, it's there's a search bar. You just type in there whatever oh, you yeah. want to look for, and boom, it'll click on there and it'll pop up. 
all right, this is what I'm doing, five or six videos, or just go down to older entries, because we're always updating the website. We're continually adding anywhere from 50 to 100 videos every single year. We got another big batch fixing to be dropped on there. But the retriever trainer shows every single thing that, that, that goes wrong. So it gives the newbie and, and strong amateur and even the pro some different fixes that they may not have seen or how to react to what's going on with this. Why my dog, you know, why I'm having issue with force fetch or why I'm, what's wrong? My dog will not hold, you know, so many people just have issues with seeing <laughs> By having it in step by step and showing it and all it, it, all the things that go wrong, it makes you a lot calmer about it and gives everybody, what's the word, a lot more confidence, mm -hmm. so to speak, if they can see everything. And the next thing about the retriever trainer is I'm 100% available through Facebook Messenger or with email, whatever. You send a message, and I promise you, within 24 hours, I'm going to answer you personally and get you directed to the right word, what you need to look at and whatever. And all that for 60 bucks. I, mean, you no, I was going to say, it's only 60 bucks. And, <laughs> you know, and Eric and I and Ray and all of us, like, we come across similar problems when we go across the country. With, and this is strictly police dogs, right? And whether it's detection stuff, tracking, or with um, apprehension. And it's a lot of the same problems. And I think like, you know, the three of us live in our respective bubbles, right? Like, you know, your hoodie's got mud all over it. You know, I'm covered in dog shit and right. I smelled like Bill Jack and because uh, I've been training puppies all day. And so, you know, when somebody comes to me and they're like, I'm having problems doing this. And I'm like, well, why? Well, initially I used to say, why? Like, why the fuck are you having a problem with that? And then I remember I'm talking to a police officer who is a cop first and a canine handler second, and they haven't done it 9,000 fucking times like Eric and I have. And I'm like, dude, just do X, Y, and Z. And they're like, oh, well, how do you do that? Or why do I, and you know, and then, so there's this like catalog or Rolodex of shit that I do or don't do or whatever. And, you know, you're right. I mean, and showing that entire process um, is something that's extremely valuable because it's you know the police dog side is interesting because we don't raise our own dogs by and large here they're imported from holland or from you know europe or wherever and traditionally the people that run the dog are not involved at all in the training or very very limitedly so we pass off this fucking angry ass shithead of a dog to somebody that's not really like sped up all the way and this dog just wants to fucking annihilate people and they're like you know so there's there's this like there's a very 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 steep learning curve um eric was telling the beginning of the episode he had a learning he had a dude nailer school get fucking tagged today and i'm like well <laughs> get drinking from a fire hose buddy <laughs> yeah, pay attention time. bro I'm like watch out for the pointy end <laughs> <laughs> so, so ted the know, one thing i can say that we you and i are doing wrong based off of his website is he's got the flower pot and all this other stuff he's teaching we're teaching uh, the uh, Alabama Hot Pocket and oh, Minneapolis yeah. Bullfrog. Oh, yeah. we, and when people look that up, they never come back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't. So, you do know, not, uh, Alabama Hot addiction. Pocket has nothing to do with dogs. It's just <laughs> don't go to, go to, go to, go to, go to No, don't. 
don't go to Urban Dictionary. Um, <laughs> yeah, so so you can go to theretrievertrainer.com. Uh, that's where you're at. It's on the same thing on Instagram, right? That's where you're at? Yeah. The okay. I just followed him. Uh, yeah, and on Facebook, too. Like, you can, Facebook is a messenger. Yeah. And, you know, and yeah. I, I follow you on Facebook, and I do see you pop up live, like, all the time. Like, you're up Oh, live. yeah. No, just like, me personally, Freddie King. That's where I post all my live feeds. Yeah. And I mean, it's on like live, like live, live all the fucking time. Like it pops up on my screen, like up here at the top right, it says, you know, Freddie King's live. And I'm like, ah, damn again. And I'm <laughs> like, yeah, this, I mean, you're like, and if people listening, like he is all a lot of the time. Like when I'm in front hey, of the computer. Got, I got a lot of clients saying, man, when are you going to run my dog? When am I going to see my dog? <laughs> <laughs> when am I going to see my dog? Yeah, believe me, Eric and I both deal with that too. Where's my dog? Don't worry about it. <laughs> leave me alone <laughs> yeah who are you <laughs> you send him a picture of a yellow one you're like i got a black lab and you're like ah you got the same what last name as, name you got the same last name as somebody else uh <laughs> so eric you are about ready to finish uh ridgeside ohio yeah yeah ridgeside canine ohio um there's three in the in the new building so those of you who didn't listen or don't know before, uh, I have everything under Van S canine. Um, but if you listen to me in the past, Van S canine on Instagram is all police stuff. Van S canine on Facebook is all pet stuff. I'm not being, I'm not able to optimize the advertising and everything by having it split like that. So I'm switching the pet stuff over to Ridge Ridgeside canine, Ohio. Uh, that website should be up soon. The Facebook page has been up and, the new facility, it's 50, 60 or 5,700 square feet of pet training stuff. Um, and it's coming along. I'm hoping, I'm hoping in two weeks that, it, that it's there. Uh, awesome. The rubber flooring is supposed to arrive Friday. We'll see. So okay. um, anyways, that's where I'm at. How about you? Uh, I'm still at Torchlight Canine on Instagram and on Facebook. That's the police side. So we have Torchlight Pets, Torchlight Canine Pets now, or Torchlight Pets on Instagram and Facebook. Um, that's all the pet side. So uh with our vocational thing with the va um and some other the pet side coming on uh we're going to be doing you know i haven't really done it in the past um we've been asked a ton to do it so i'm acquiescing and we're going to do it uh we're going to do pets i've got three right now that i'm working and it's kind of nice working with dogs that don't try and fucking kill me every time i get them out of the kennel for the first couple weeks i have them uh or kill other people which is nice. So um, I think when I get the little ones out, I'm not uh, routinely surprised that I don't mm -hmm. get bit, which is great. So I'm um, kind of getting back to the good old days of clickers and teaching dogs to shake and not jump on people. Uh, so it's not uh, not too bad. But yeah, Torchlight Pets, uh, the new facility uh, still in Tulsa. Um, we're open now, but it should build out should be down in into may ish is what it sounds like um so yeah indoor outdoor we're gonna have bunkhouse stuff like that but yeah um moving around rocking and rolling right along we got a new we got hrds coming up hrd police canine on instagram and on facebook uh for the schedule continues to change because of the vid so the rona has messed everything up but uh that's when the next one's johnson city tennessee um and then we're in another place in tennessee right after that so memphis i think memphis yeah we're going back to memphis and see them so that ought to be interesting uh hopefully dono is not there that dog's mm -hmm. real name is don't nobody want to get bit because god bless that dog bites hard mm -hmm. um, 
Yeah, yeah super giant angry Malinois. Um, yeah, still the hardest biting dog we've ever worked. Mm-hmm. I'm, yeah, I'm soul I'm, stealer. I'm, yeah, I'm glad I'm not decoying. <laughs> nope. So, <Ass. laughs> so Freddie, we've done 127 episodes. I got to tell you, you're probably my top two or three guests we've ever had on. You, you were amazing. Um, I feel like I learned a lot, or at least I learned I need to, a lot of shit to learn. I need a lot to do. Your so. story. Dude, sign- that, that goes vice versa there. I mean, I really enjoyed the convert. I, I, I have a ton of respect for you guys. Uh, everybody that does anything that's in what y'all do, law enforcement, uh, at every single level. I mean, you guys, top notch, bets and all. And I apologize to the missus there. If we knew her in her car, we probably wouldn't have dropped so many F-bombs oh. and everything else. I was like, oh, hey, she, she's there. She's Sorry, man. You ain't heard her ears. Sorry, man. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, yeah, so uh, we'll put the links in the show notes for their website and the Instagram. But, yeah, uh, everybody hit Freddie up. Even if you're a police dog trainer, uh, there is some info in there for directionals and for e-collar stuff that you can definitely use. So, uh, yeah, yeah, without a doubt. So, uh, Freddie, man, we appreciate it. This is one that um, a long time ago when we started this up, like Eric said, we're on episode 127. Uh, This was one of the short lists, and I finally made it to it at 127. So... Sorry, oh. it took so long. <laughs> oh man, it's been great. Listen, y'all holler at me anytime. Oh, we appreciate it, man. We'll see everybody soon. All right, thanks, guys. Thanks. You got your reasons, I got my wants. Still got that feeling, but I'm too old to die young now. Working Dog Radio was graciously granted permission to use this music by Brother Deeg. Be sure to check him out at brotherdeeg.blogspot.com. That's spelled brother, D-E-G-E, dot blogspot.com. Be sure to buy him a beer at Amazon, iTunes, or CD Baby, or anywhere you stream your music. Working Dog Radio was edited and co-produced by Alicia Brandt.